YoMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. Innistrad is coming soon, and StarCityGames.com is your source for boxes, cases, fat packs, intro packs, complete sets, and singles. Head on over to StarCityGames.com and pre-order Innistrad today. Everybody and welcome to episode 79 of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco. Uh, this week we've got a pretty special episode for you. This week is just going to be coverage uh, that I recorded live at Pro Tour Philadelphia this past weekend. So uh, first up, we've got an interview with Patrick Chapin. After that, we've got Brian Kibler talking about his uh, Counter Cats deck, which of course he worked on with uh, with some of the guys from Channel Fireball and various other players. Uh, deck that actually took Josh Utter Layton to the finals of the event. Um, and then we've got a, uh, a special treat for the first time on the show. We've got Aaron Forsyth, director of R&D. Uh, we've got about a 15-20 minute interview with him, which uh, you know he could he couldn't give us too much information about Innistrad, but I, I think it was a really interesting and fun interview, and um, I was excited to actually meet Aaron and talk to him for the first time. And uh, you guys will hear all that. We end the show with uh, Ben Friedman giving us a deck tech for his uh, Pyromancer Ascension list that he played to a top 32 finish at the Pro Tour. Uh, it's a pretty complicated deck, and um, you know he volunteered to kind of goldfish it for us and uh, explain some of the decision making that goes into uh into playing that deck. So uh let's get to it. All right, I'm here with uh with Patrick Chapin here at uh, Pro Tour Philadelphia and uh unfortunately I know you didn't day 2, right? Yeah, no no, I ended up 4-4. Didn't do so well in modern. What what deck did you bring? Uh well, I brought a few decks, but that I actually played uh <laughs> played Blue Red Splinter Twin. Okay. Um, I should just play control. I, I, I know I talked to you yesterday, and uh, and I heard you talking, or I also heard you talking with some other players about uh, that you kind of had an idea or had a control deck, but you decided to play twin because you kind of felt like it was more the deck that was going to give you the best chance to win. Uh, I'm uh, as as a control player myself, I'm very curious what what you had in mind for for a control deck in this format. I was going to play Esper. That's the other deck that I mean. Worked on it a fair bit, and I, I was liking where it was at, but um, it wasn't until the day before the tour I realized that the missing link was to just lose game one against 12 posts, and that I've been trying too hard to, to win, you know, I've been trying too hard to win game one against 12 posts, and playing with too many cards that weren't right for other matchups, and it wasn't doing enough, and I should have just been content to being a little soft in the 12 post matchup, because even though it's like 20% of the field, it's like in Paris when I was soft to Valak at game one, even though it was 20% of the field, you know? So I should just should have just done that and, and been soft to uh, game one against them. Um, some of the important cards are like bribery is an important tool. Like if you have bribery plus the man acceleration, it gives you a real good game against twelve post. Right. But you can't just play four bribery's main deck in most you know and, and be right against the other people. You know. Um, like I like uh, I like shadow doubt a little bit. Use a little bit of that. I like uh, esper charm. I like mana leak, spell snare, uh, damnation. Um, uh, cryptic command, careful consideration, um, or thirst for knowledge, depending on how much artifact mana. I was thinking of using some, like using some thirst for knowledge with uh, the engineer explosives, but um, for the most part, I just liked the uh, the fact that the combination of card draw, cheap counter magic, uh, doom blades too. I like doom blade the best of the spot removal, but doom blades, damnations, uh, mana leaks, spell snares, and card draw. All that combines to well against all the random creature decks, and then the um, the fact that you can sideboard out the removal and play a lot of you know a nice variety of like negates, thought seizes, vendillion clicks, and so on gives you a real good way of attacking all the steam vents combo decks. And uh, against twelve posts, you just board in briberies and whatnot, you know. 
what would be a win condition in that uh, in the Esper deck? I heard a lot of reactive stuff, but yeah, besides okay. Vendillion so, Click. So uh, there's Creeping Tarpets. Okay. There's uh, a Bribery or two main deck. And then uh, maybe a Teferi, but I don't. I wasn't really liking a main deck. And then uh, a couple Vendillion Clicks and a White Sun Zenith. Okay. Um, what did you think of, uh, of Nassif's deck? I, I I haven't gotten a look at it, but I know he's playing some sort of Tezzeret build. And uh... Uh, well, yeah, he, he he didn't end up making day. Oh no, he did make day yeah, two. He, he, he three owed the draft. Oh okay. Yeah, so um, it's a few cards off of where it needs to be, but it's got some interesting ideas. I mean, he's got a lot of different locking components. It's a pretty sweet brew. It's 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 tough to play a, a deck like that in such a in a format that has so many different things people are doing, but. As long as he plays against one of the mainstream decks, he's in pretty good shape. Um, yeah, I, I personally would rather play a little bit more traditional control in this format than all the different locking components, you know? Were, uh, were there any decks that you've seen that actually surprised you that, that are doing well in the, in the modern portion? Um, not, not really. I guess the closest... I guess the, the one that would surprise me the most was the... Uh, I guess it's not even a surprise, but uh, Antonio DeRosa's Antonio DeRosa going five zero with black green Death Cloud. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not like it's a surprising deck to show up, but it's not one of the decks you'd expect to be doing well, you know? Right. Yeah. But it's an archetype he knows very well, you know. Um, so as far as uh, you know, at, at this point in uh, taking a look at the, the modern format, what do you think of it? Do you think it needs some changes? Do you expect changes at the end of the month uh, when they have the, the new band-restricted announcement? And uh, what, if so, like, what do you think those changes maybe should be, in your opinion? Uh, yeah, so I definitely think there, there need to be some changes. Um, like, this format, if you look at the results, I mean, do you count Tezzeret as a control deck? It, I haven't gotten a good look at, at it, but maybe. Let's call that control. control sure, right, sure. Right. Do you count fairies as a control deck? It's closer than a lot of the other decks. <laughs> do you consider Next Level Blue a control deck? Yes. Sure. Okay. In that case, what percentage of the field do you think was control? Probably about a percent. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> 1.2% of the field played control if you count all those decks as control. That's, uh, and it's not that control needs to be viable. It's that without any sort of a controlling element to keep things in check, 71% combo is a little unhealthy. Like, And it wouldn't be so bad if it was like you know, slower combos, but so many of these decks are just trying to, they're all out kill you on the third turn, because because of the fact that there's no short, like, the best deck, like, the, the default best deck is a turn four, you know, win the game type of deck with this cloud post, everybody wants to be the guy winning on turn three. Right. So you have all these breakneck speed decks. It's like uh, Luis Scott Vargas and I were talking, and it was, uh, the way we saw the format was that it's pretty much two aggro decks, cloud post, and 21 Belcher decks. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard Drew Levin yesterday talking, totally agreeing with you. Uh, he was he was doing an interview with Evan for the Magic Show, and uh, it seems like that's the that's the consensus from what I'm hearing. Um, so what what uh, changes would I expect? What changes? To, yeah, yeah. So to begin with, any kind of change is going to need Cloudpost to be banned. Okay. I mean that's Cloudpost puts such an incredible clamping on the format where you can't play like all the mid range decks that they like to be good, like Junk or Bant or or Zoo, or all these different things, have very little shot against a 12-post deck. Now, granted, I think there's some people doing well with some Zoo decks that are specifically tuned for this sort of a this sort of a field, but it doesn't lead to a format that's going to change much. So I think 12-post needs to 12-post needs to go so that people can play fair strategies and not just turn four kill decks. You know? Okay. Um, outside of that. There's also a problem with too many Steam Vents combo decks, and, I mean, 71% combo is miles from healthy. Now, it's lots of different combos, mm -hmm. and so it's cool in the short run that there's so much variety, but it's like Legacy without Force of Will, yeah. which is a dangerous place, you know? So I guess, I'm not sure what the right mix is. One possibility is to try to go after the mana. Another possibility is to hit some of the engines. Because it's tough, because, like, Blazing Shoal is a problem. Uh, through the Breach is a problem to a degree. Um, uh, right of Flame is a problem. Uh, there's all these... Splinter Twin is a problem. Pyromancer's Ascension. I mean, there's so many different problem engines. I mean, 
it might have to just be preordain. I mean, Amulet of Vigor is a problem, too. I guess, at the very least, I mean, I guess if you were going to try to ban as few cards as possible, maybe Preordain and, and Cloudpost. But I think that part of the solution has to involve unbanning some cards. Yeah, that's what I was going to go next. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, might so be I fully... And keep in mind, it's, yeah. there's a lot of different... We have to see how the tournament shakes up. There's a lot of different ways to... Uh, possible bannings, but whatever it is, is going to involve Cloudpost. Okay. Um... As far as unbannings, I'm sh- I, I'd be willing to bet that they're going to unban some cards, too. Like, um, one thing that they're probably going to look at is at least one card for some blue decks to try to help rein in the problem with combo. Um, a lot of people I, I've heard talking about Mental Misstep, that they're under the impression that somehow Mental Misstep is what's necessary for a control deck to beat an aggro deck. And... That's crazy talk. Like if like <laughs> mental misstep in this format would be horrible. That would be the that is the wrong solution. And uh, I mean, mental misstep is killing. Like I think that there's very I I I think that mental misstep should be banned in Legacy. Mm. But um, if you just look at the results, you'd have to be I don't know. It seems pretty unlikely that it doesn't get banned in Legacy at some point. But but in, as far as modern goes, I guess. Visions and Jace are the two top ones to look at, just because it would give blue uh, decks an engine. Because right now, teachings, careful consideration, thirst for knowledge, those aren't the same caliber of card draw engines. And so blue is left without a, a way to really gain an advantage in the mid game. You know? Right. So I'm betting that I, I'm betting that they're going to take a good hard look at either Visions or Jace. You know, I'm rooting for Jace. I think that it's more likely they'd unban uh, Visions just because. Um, Jace is really, Jace is really, really, really obnoxiously powerful. But um, either way, like I think that, see, the nice thing about Jace though, if they unban Jace, it's actually interactive. Like you can actually fight it, you know, and it gives some reward to the aggressive decks. You know, it's, it encourages some interaction. Right, right. So I, I look at those. Um, I think it's unlikely that they unban Bitter Blossom, but I'm sure they'll at least consider it, because if Bitter Blossom was unbanned, I think that it would help incentivize people to actually play a fairy deck that could conceivably try to help keep the... You know, because, like, Bitter Blossom's not going to be good against the aggressive decks. Right. Not particularly in this format. I mean, the things are really aggressive. Goblin Guide versus Bitter Blossom is a tough fight. You know, or <laughs> Wild Mikado, or... Right. So, um... See, I don't think. Let's see. Any other cards they might? Um, I don't think they're going to mess around with unbanning any of the combo cards. You know, like artifact lands or uh, or Valka. Um, I mean, like artifact lands. I think it's Affinity showed up in a real healthy place. You know, it was like the second most popular aggro deck. Uh, it was. It, it's a little bit fast and aggressive, but in this format, it was fine. Right. Um, yeah, I guess I would. I I be, I bet they'd probably unban one of the blue cards, or maybe Bitter Blossom, but one of the blue cards, and then uh, ban Cloudpost and some amount of other combo enablers, you know. And it's not even clear what the right mixture is. I think they're going to want to see how all the different combo decks perform. Part of it is going to settle down a little bit once people know who the enemy is, you know. Right, right. One of the problems with this format was with 21 different combo decks, nobody knew what hate <laughs> cards to play. Yeah. So, I, I'm not sure what the right formula is, but it's going to involve attacking the combo deck, slowing the format down a little bit. Because it's, remember they said they didn't want turn, they even said when they created the format they didn't want there to be, uh, they wanted to clamp down on the turn three kills, you know? Mm-hmm. In Vintage, they want to get rid of turn one kills. Right. In Legacy, they want to get rid of turn two kills. Um, or no, maybe it's the other oh, way maybe In Legacy, they want to get rid of turn one kills. Mm-hmm. Um... I think they're going to want to slow it down even more because this is, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely not. I mean, not a healthy kind of metagame, and it seems like they want to at least allow make room for some control element there. So that, that that's what seems. It's, like. I don't even think the control is what they want so much as they want less combo. Okay. I think they would be happy if even if there was only five or ten percent control. It's not that they want people to be playing control. They just don't want seventy-one percent of the field to play combo. I think that. In general, they, I think anything, like if combo is ever more than a third of the field, mm-hmm. 
they get real concerned. Right. You know? Like, because, like, it's cool for combos to exist to some degree. Some people like them, some people don't. Mm. But you start reaching this point, this tipping point, if there's too many combo decks in the field where the entire format just becomes people bashing their combo decks against each yeah. other and not, not playing a game of Magic, not interacting. You know, you need to... You need to have people incentivized enough to actually play with cards that interact with the other person, or else you're both just playing solitaire. Right. So, uh, the other big big topic this weekend is Innistrad. We're getting uh, spoilers being rolled out, so uh, what, what are your first impressions of Innistrad, like, as a set? The, the, obviously, the double face cards are pretty pretty big, and then, um, I don't know if you saw, like, the, uh, the Tiago Chen's Invitational yep. card, which... Uh, it looks pretty pretty awesome, I think, but uh, I wanted to get your opinion on, on Innistrad. All right, so to begin with, Snapcaster Mage, or yeah. that's Tiago Chan's Invitational card. That card is sick. Wow. Yeah. One in a blue, just uh, it flash. When you play it, you can flash back a card from your graveyard, and you have to pay its cost. Right. That's so insane. Now, it doesn't work with cards like Ancestral Visions, which I heard some people talking about. Yeah, but you have to, have to pay the casting cost, which is, there is no casting cost, right. so it can't be flashed back. Yeah. But that, the cards, I mean... If you just if you just flash back a ponder, yeah, that's super good. Yeah, I mean, like it's a two-one flash draw. It's like if you if you had a card that was three mana for a uh, two-one flash when it comes into play, ponder that card would be great. It's like a flash Seagate Oracle kind of. Yeah, but right? ponder is better. Like ponder yeah. is better than sleight of hand. And a, and flash two one flash is way better than one three. Like one yeah. three is a sweet body. Don't get me wrong, but two one flash. Now you're not always going to have a ponder in your graveyard, but there's other things too. The fact that it gives you so much selection when you play it, you can get back your your mana leak, or you can get back your condemn, or you can get back your into the royal, or you can get back whatever you want. Timely reinforcements was one. I Timely reinforcements, <laughs> absolutely. The card is the card is sweet. Yeah. It's not busted or anything. I think it's like I don't think it's. It's, I don't think it's as good as Moldrifter, but what is? Like that, I mean, Moldrifter was really good, and this card, the fact that it's an instant, makes it a different kind of card than Moldrifter a little bit. I think that Snapcaster Mage is the real deal, and will be, uh, and will be uh, a pretty, a pretty sweet card. Um, as far as the double face cards, uh, obviously, got to see how it actually plays out once we, once we physically draft with them. Because I mean, I know all the rules behind it. It's definitely a little bit of a gray area because it, they're definitely changing the rules a little, and it's not clear how it's going to work with regards to, uh, you know, dexterity. Like, mm -hmm. the fact that you can physically hide a card and, like, you're looking at people trying to watch to gain information, and if they're trying to hide information, there's this weird kind of game that goes on. And it's not clear how it's going to work where if two people are waiting for the other person to pass, there's a lot more potential for collusion. There's... Uh, there's going to be a lot of issues with people trying to sort things out with, you know, who has to, you know, like, you pick, you pick. Like, what if everybody's just waiting for the person to their left, you know? Right. But I don't think it's going to be as bad as the people, as some people say, because I know there's a lot of skeptics who are um, talking about how, this is so horrible, it's the worst thing for the game, this is, this is Yu-Gi-Oh, or this is whatever. <laughs> I mean, look, Magic breaks its rules every time new sets come out. There are rules being broken on every card. You know, like, you, like it'll play out. This is this is such a radical thing. Do you think they didn't test it for 18 months? Now it doesn't mean it's not going to be busted, but or there isn't going to be some problem that they didn't think of. But they have spent a huge amount of time and energy on this, and so I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Besides, I can already tell, like. LSV again, and I were talking about how fun the cards seem to play with. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love that, like, all the wolves, they toggle together. Like, it's yeah. night and day all together. Now, sometimes they start out of sync, but they all get into sync. Right. You know, so it makes it easier to keep track of. And, uh, and they look so much nicer than the, than the two-side Kamiga the, the Kamigawa flip cards. You know, the Kamigawa flip cards, without having the art there, doesn't even look like a real magic card. You know, it's just all text. Mm -hmm. These look like ma magic cards, and they're sweet. You know, and the, and the flip side, like the nighttime... I love the planar chaos borders that they use. Yeah, you know? and uh, and it's they're very they're dripping with flavor, and uh, there's so many sweet interactions you can do. You know, so I think it's I think it's going to be really interesting. Plus, as far as the change in draft, um, it'll be uh, it'll be a new twist. You know, like in uh, in in mirrored and besieged, the packs were somewhat collated with regards to. Frexian and Mirror. Right. 
it's just a change, you know? Yeah, you'll adapt. And uh, as far as the execution, like playing with the cards, mm -hmm. the checklist system I think is brilliant. And the uh, the fact that you can play with the card, as long as you use opaque sleeves, you can physically play with the real card. Mm -hmm. I think that solution is very elegant, and it's going to end up uh, working out pretty well, I think. I think one of the uh, the criticisms is, like, you know, if if you've got, say, a, uh, you know, one of them in play, you have to keep taking the uh, taking the card out, and, and if somebody wants to see, oh, what's the back do? Well, you don't have to. Take, to. You know, it, if it's sitting in play, it doesn't have to be in the sleeve. I mean, you could be using right. the checklist, or you could even just take it out of the sleeve if you really don't want to spend the time. Right. Okay. Yeah, it, it seems like it's such. It's very intuitive. I think that was my initial intuitive to flip it over. But taking it out of the sleeve seems like, uh, in a weird way, clunky. Having to having to like keep flipping it around back and I mean, forth if the train. Like you're talking about like if somebody wants to see what the other side is. Either that, or even when things keep flipping back and forth, like you well, they don't keep flipping back and forth. Well, some it's of not the, a, some no, 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 but yeah. it, they don't keep doing it. They right. do it when a condition is met. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. How often does the condition get met? I, we don't know. We have, <laughs> but, but well, we've seen a lot of them. Right, right. Some of them happen as much as once a turn if a condition was met. Right. Well, I, it's, yeah. It just like untapping. It's, it's about as annoying as untapping a card. Isn't it so Fair annoying enough. when every yeah, single I, turn you have to untap the cards you tapped? Fair it's enough. It's so clunky. It is. I mean, I every card. Sometimes I tap like seven or eight cards in the same turn. <laughs> and to have to untap them all, I mean, my hands get really tired from untapping a card. <laughs> Every turn. And that's not even counting if I have, like, a splinter twin on a pester mite where I have to untap it, like, 30 times. <laughs> no, I don't think it's clunky. I don't think it matters at all. I mean, it's not like these things go back and forth 20 different times. So as far as the, uh, as far as the, what do the cards do, like, when it's in your hand and you don't know what it does? Yeah. I mean, okay, a couple things. First of all, it's got a little symbol to let you know what the power and toughness is going to be on the other side as a reminder. Second of all, you could be using the checklist. Third of all... Have you ever played against or with Japanese cards or Korean cards or any French cards? You manage to get by despite the... I mean, yes, at first, if you've never seen the cards, at the pre-release, there's a small obstacle of having to read the cards, but you don't know what any of the cards do in English anyway. Right. You know? I mean, I think Good people are greatly overreacting to how challenging it is to flip a magic card. <laughs> Well, I know you you have to go to uh, play in yep. your, your iPad tournament. Um, maybe I'll catch up with you later in the weekend. Absolutely, man. But, uh, see you, Joe. Whether, whether, whether or not I, I catch up with you, good luck, and uh, I'll talk to you later on. All right. Cool. All right, I'm here at uh, Pro Tour Philadelphia, day two, with, with Brian Kibler, who did day two as opposed to Patrick, who I talked to a little earlier. Uh, so, Brian, your, uh, your record right now is seven and two? Eight and two. Eight and two. Eight okay. Eight. I, so, uh, going into going back into Constructed. Oh, there's one, uh, more, one more draft round. Um, okay. Uh, I'm playing against Ari Lax, who's also two at my table, who claims to have an awesome deck. I like my deck, too, so we'll see how that turns out. But then back to Constructed. So. Right. So, uh, as, speaking of Constructed, you want to talk a little bit about your deck and why you chose it? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm playing uh, what I like to call a counter-cat deck. Uh, <laughs> it's basically a zoo deck. Um, the, the, the core of the deck is you know, very similar to the, the Bant Charm zoo decks from you know, last year extended, two years ago extended, whatever. Um, but it, I basically was working on zoo from the beginning of, of, of modern. Uh, the rest of the team was working on all sorts of other decks, and they actually were harassing me for working on zoo so much. And they were like, yo, zoo can't beat this, zoo can't beat that. And... You know, what I what I generally try and find in any format um, is I want an aggressive deck that can deal with what other people are doing, that has disruption and but like also you know very good pressure. And Zoo's the best aggressive deck in the format. So what I was looking for, you know, in, in all my testing with Zoo was what are the other important decks and how do I beat them? Um, you know, a lot of other people they they just, you know have their Zoo deck that just tries to kill you as fast as possible. And people are prepared for people trying to kill you as fast as possible. So you know, I was looking at the other possible options. And uh, what I found is actually, uh, as soon as I found the card Flash Freeze, it was actually when I was, I was playing a bunch against uh, Cloud Post decks, which is one of the big decks in the format. Right. Uh, the most popular deck, actually. Uh, I was playing a bunch of these Cloud Post decks, and I was trying Molten Rains, and I was winning a decent amount of Molten Rain, but a lot of people were, I knew people were going to prepare for Molten Rain. And Molten Rain's only good if you draw it early, and only good if, like, they're not, they haven't already played, like, Wall into Titan or whatever. Right. Um, so I was just like, well, how about I try Flash Freeze? Because Flash Freeze can actually stop Titan, it can stop Zenith, it can stop, you know, whatever sort of, you know, big things, the main things that they're doing. And it was when I was testing against uh, a Storm deck as well that I was like, I had Bancharm my deck and I countered a Seething Song and won the game because of it. And I was like, oh, like, counter a red spell is very good against all these Storm decks and right. these rituals too. So that's ultimately how the deck, how the deck came to be. 
Um, and up to the last minute, everyone else was looking at other decks. Yeah, they wanted to play. They also like, oh, I'm not going to play Zoo, not going to play Zoo. Just when everyone got into board with Zoo, and Luis went 5-0, Raptor went 5-0, Owen went 4-1, I went 4-1, Brad went, I think, 4-1 or 3-2. Like, mm-hmm. There was one person who didn't have a winning record, uh, and you know, a ton of people who are undefeated or, or X1 or better. So right. it was... Uh, it, it, uh, it was pretty awesome. You know, after all the flack I got, <laughs> Luis actually came up to me. He said, yeah, I think you've earned the right to say I told you so for at least three months. <laughs> that, so, was, that was a lot of talking, just to be yeah. straight. So. <laughs> no, that, that's good. So, uh, so what, do you, what do you think about the format uh, you know, as it's shaking out? And then um, also, as far as your deck choice, you're obviously succeeding with it, but is there anything that you would change? I'm really happy with the deck. Uh, I mean, there, there may be you know, an individual card in the sideboard or something that, that you know, I might... I might tweak based on you know, more of the metagame that actually showed up than the metagame we expected. We actually called it pretty well. Uh, we didn't realize that Splinter would be quite as popular as it was. We thought the the Ascension, um, Hive Mind, uh, and other sort of Storm decks were going to be more popular than that. Um, but, I mean, our deck is already pretty well set up against them. Uh, you know, we, we pretty much called the, the, the top four or five decks in the field perfectly other than Splinter Twin. And uh, you know, I, I'm super happy with it. Like, you know, it, it's performed very well, and it's the sort of deck I love to play. So. Right, right. But so the, the modern box, in general, yeah. yeah. Modern in general, yeah. Uh, modern in general, <laughs> yes, right. I hear a lot of people complaining about modern. Basically, they're like, "Oh, it's just like a turn three combo format," and I, that's because people are hearing the highlights. People are watching the highlight reel. It's like watching Sports Center being like, "Man, basketball is all dunks." It's like, not really, you know. It, 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 you you hear about the guy, the guy who got blazing shoulder in turn two, or you know, eighteen goblins in turn one, or any of these things. I mean, the number of games that I played that ended on turn three, this you know, this entire event is two. In, okay. in five rounds. I mean, granted, I was in the losing end of those, but my deck doesn't kill turn three very well. I yeah. kill turn four. But, uh, but you know, that's, that's, those are, they're Charbelcher decks. You know, is, like, is Legacy, is Legacy, you know, a, a bad format because they're Charbelcher decks? It's like, well, you know, sometimes they, they have it, sometimes you have your Force of Will, whatever. I mean, there isn't Force of Will in this format, which does, you know, differentiate in a major way from Legacy. But, I mean, there are, there are ways that you can stop a lot of these decks. Um, and you can interact with them if you you actually pay attention to it. They're inconsistent and they're disruptible. So you know, I, I think that it's it's very overblown how combo oriented the format is. Um, so uh, you know, like when when Wild Nakatal is is still good, at least in the right configuration, the format can't be that bad. So do you feel like then um, this weekend, like the lack of control decks this weekend, is more uh, more about the fact that it's a, such a fresh format, and you think there's still maybe a window for control? It's, or, it's or partly what? that, and it's partly that. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of the best control cards aren't legal. Mm-hmm. You know, Jace and Ancestral Visions, uh, Mental Misstep. Uh, it's also just very very difficult to build a control deck that deals with all the possible things that are going on in the format. You know, if if you're playing a deck that has you know, Tarmogoyf and Vidalcan Shackles. It's like, maybe your deck is fast enough to beat Zoo, but there's no way you're beating an Eldrazi deck. Like, right. it's, it's really, Cloudpost, the, 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 the sheer number of combo decks and the sheer, uh, the sheer power of the Cloudpost decks really selects against control being viable at all. Um, you know, cards like, a lot of people said, like, you know, the best card in, in Mars is going to be Dark Confidant. It's like, mm-hmm. Dark Confidant is not even good in this right. one. Because there's so many powerful things happening so quickly that what you need to do is do your own proactive powerful thing and stop your opponent, interact with them in some way. So you, you, you can't just sit back and try and, and try and control what they're doing because A, the tools aren't really there, and B, the, 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 the tools, you know, you have to have the tools against such a wide range of possible things your opponents are doing. It, it, it's very difficult to build a deck that beats both Wild Nakatl and uh, Emrakul. Right. You know, it's, it's, such a, it's such a huge span. You're losing to the lands in the cloud post. They actually don't have to play a spell that you can counter. Are you going to counter every expedition map? It's just not realistic. Right. So uh, that said, do you feel like there, uh, the changes are likely at the end of the month when they make uh, you know another band-restricted announcement? Uh, I mean, Aaron Forsyth has said that they intend to be very liberal with bannings in Modern to keep the format fresh. Okay. And, uh, as far as whether I think that bannings are necessary to make the format Enjoyable. I, I think this format's a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun testing it. I'm having a lot of fun playing it here. And I think there's a lot of, you know, there's certainly got to be a lot of unexplored things. Um, you know, granted, a lot of people don't enjoy even the possibility of dying turn two, dying turn three. So it's possible that, that just for, you know, in that sense, Watsi wants to look at it. But at the same time, that's part of the allure of playing such a huge format, such an old format. There's all these, all these cool and powerful things you can do. So, uh, you know, as you were saying right now, it seems like it's so tough to build a control deck, and I would think that a healthy metagame would include more than more than a couple, you know, one two percent controls. That, that you know what I mean? Like yeah, it seems I mean, like they want more control. So 
It's, it's, it's funny because I mean, people people seem to you know sort of assume that there should be controlled access. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's 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 weird because it's just it's just like you know, every format basically has certain types of controlled decks. Mm-hmm. And while I think that you know people being able to play the kind of deck that they like to play is important in any format, really. But I mean, I, I don't think that this format's bad because you can't play control. Okay. You know, like I, I think that, I, and I think that people will be able to play. You know, pinpoint as metagames, you know, as metagames collapse, right. like pinpoint more. Okay, well, you know, my deck wants, you know, four uh, Vendillion clicks because I need to disrupt Eldrazi. You know, I need, you know, this, this, this. I mean, it's, it's going to be difficult to build a control deck that deals with anything in any wide environment. You look at, I mean, look at Legacy. You know, right. a lot of the control decks, they're, you know, they're actually very. You know, very sort of like aggro controlish decks, or like you know, just universal you know board sweeping decks like the uh, the landscape decks. So uh, moving on to the other the other news of the weekend, of course, is Innistrad coming out in just a couple of weeks. Uh, what do you think? What's your impression of the set so far? The double face cards and any any cards that stand out to you? I think Innistrad looks awesome. Um, I, I, there's a lot of people players who've been complaining about. You know, the impact on double-faced cards on draft and whatnot. And, well, yes, I think that for, you know, the segment of the population that drafts very competitively, it's a hit. You know, it's, it's certainly a hit, and it's, it's, it's not something that, you know, can really be sort of, gl- you know, glossed over with the rules. But for, you know, Magic-playing world at large, it's awesome. You know, I mean, like, this guy, you know, people are like, oh, you just do the old flip cards, you can do this, you can do this. It's like, no, I want my guy who, who's, who's a human to turn into a werewolf. And I go, here he is, now he's a werewolf. Rawr. Like, I think that's, it, it, it's about, like, creating an experience, creating feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that they, they with the, uh, the sort of hugely top-down nature of the Divine in the set, I think they, you know, they, they, that something like that is so emotionally impactful you know, while, you know, like, mechanically, sure, you can do it a different way. But it, it has the, the, the best impact done this way. And I think I think it's worth it, for sure. So any cards that stand out to you? Uh, Liliana looks very, very powerful. Uh, potentially, I, I was actually saying yesterday, someone was asking about Liliana, and I'm like, I don't even know her ultimate, and I think she's good. Right. You know, yeah. like, the, the first two abilities are so good. Like, you know, we're, we're playing in a block that, or in a new format that has flashback. And I don't remember World of the Worm. Like, if there's a card right. like that, you know, we both discard. Oh, I'll just discard World of the Worm and make yeah. a 6-6. Six, six. Like, well, that may not even be that good these days yeah. compared to how <laughs> it's said. Yeah, it's, it's just... It, it has so many ways to create value. Right. You know, just empty your hand. Start using plus one, you know. Even just play it edict. Like, that's 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 good. It's right. just, They have to deal with it or else, you know... It gets out of control. So uh, the new Garrick is very difficult to evaluate. I just have, I have no context for it. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's it has so many different abilities. Uh, it seems like if if the metagame is you know, like tempered steel type decks, like he, he actually seems pretty cool. Um, but like a lot of his abilities don't really don't really seem to synergize very well. You know, it's like he has one side that like wants to fight something or make two twos, but like he fights something and then he can't make two twos anymore. He makes one ones. And like his overrun, like I, yeah, I don't even yeah. know. It's, it's it's, but he's definitely he's definitely cool. Um, the, uh, the the invitational card, yeah, it looks insane. Uh, the the two one two one flash, yeah, it's like uh, snapcaster flash mage, yeah, two yeah, one yeah. flash. That that, that card two. Just yeah. looks bonkers. Like yeah, so awesome. Well, uh, thanks again, Brian, and no good luck. My pleasure. All right, this is Joey Pasco for Yo MTG Taps. I'm here with Aaron Forsyth. Hello there. Um, all right, so we're going to uh, ask you a couple questions here. I uh, appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time. Uh, first, which is your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? Oh, geez. <laughs> that was a little bit after my time. The, the one that wears purple. Donatello. Donatello. All right, yeah, he does yeah. machines, right? <laughs> all right, now that we have the, the serious questions <laughs> out of the way. All right, I'm going to loosen up a little bit. So, um, for modern, uh, what do you think? What do you think of the format in general? And are uh, are there any surprises from this weekend? The format looks good to me so far. It's kind of got the the right amount of scary uh, to be you know to be exciting for people to want to build decks in. We've seen some turn two kills with uh, you know a crazy bunch of cards. There, people are casting. They play Ink Moth Nexus on turn one, and then they use Summoner's Pack to go get. Reaper King and pitch him to because he's red and green and costs ten mana. They pitch him to Blazing Shoal and kill you on turn two. Yeah, uh, I mean, 
that's not the whole format, and I don't, that doesn't happen all that much. So please don't be scared by those stories. I think that's kind of what makes it cool. Uh, but there is a you know there's there's zoo which everyone knew was going to be a real thing, and there are uh, rock decks that are kind of making their living on casting a bunch of thought seizes and, and duresses breaking up the combo decks and then there's all these crazy combo decks out there there's storm and there's splinter twin uh and there's hive mind so uh i, I imagine a control deck will emerge eventually but uh otherwise i expect there to be a, a pretty diverse top eight full of you know some pretty fast-paced uh intense magic games uh, is, is there something that you saw out there that's like your favorite kind of innovation from the weekend at all? Uh, I, I wish I had more time to pay attention to what's going on. Um, <laughs> I've been gunslinging a lot with people. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. So uh, I've, I've, I've expected most of what I've seen. I know the Channel Fireball guys are playing Gideon in their zoo deck, which just blows my mind because I thought the format was... It's going to be you know as fast as possible and about breaking up combo decks and whatnot, and that a five mana planeswalker was just never going to have a chance. But there he is, and they're yeah. doing really well with him. So, you know that that I mean, it's cool to see that card being played in this format, but it's also cool because what it means is that you know the games are going longer and that uh, those kind of spells are going to be able to be played. Uh, is it is it realistic for players? I mean, I know you seem to be pretty happy with the format. Um, Despite the the kind of huge amount of combo decks um, and the lack of a control deck, which of course control decks typically don't show up right away, but um, do you feel like it's realistic for players to expect any kind of changes to the band list at the end of the month? I think that uh, we are you know better than fifty fifty to make some kind of change at this point. Okay, we're going to see how. I mean, we're going to get all the deck lists and have some people do an analysis on what, what was winning and what was not winning. Because oftentimes the standings don't tell the whole story. Um, I mean, who's, how scary is this Cloud Post deck? We don't know. Like, is it scary enough that we need to do something about it? It's possible. You know, uh, is, is the format fast enough that something like Jace or, or Ancestral Visions just isn't a huge player and it would be fair to bring those back? Maybe. Uh, we got to check that out. Um, I, I certainly am only one of the many smart people that kind of weigh in on what cards should be banned and not banned so I don't want to give you any kind of false right. uh, hope as to what exactly is going to happen but I know that like we the band list we put forth for the Pro Tour was there just for the Pro Tour and we knew we had another one coming uh, before the format kind of went live for the, the world uh, right. to adjust and I expect we're going to actually do some adjusting there Okay. Um, how, uh, obviously this format seems like people are pretty excited about it at this point. Um, and that includes players who have been playing, you know, for years and actually played during the standard portion when these yeah. cards were legal and standard. Um, and then new players are pretty excited about it too because it's a format that isn't, you know, it's not, doesn't go that far back. Uh, they don't have to get like crazy into dual ends for like they have to do for legacy. Um, like how uh, how likely or realistic is it for wizards to to be reprinting or thinking about reprinting cards that like staples like Ravnica duels and things like even something like Tarmogoyf, which was maybe overpowered when it was in standard or, or considered a potential overpowered card when it was in standard uh, to be kind of more available either in a in a set that would be legal for standard or in some sort of other other kind of special set to help out the uh, the the flow of cards for modern. Right. Well, I mean, the reason we kind of moved forward with this format in general is so that we would have, you know, we it was an each, you know, uh, I don't want to use the word eternal because that, <laughs> the meaning of that's a little cloudy, but it's a non-rotating format that we have the ability to reprint all the cards in it. Um, now, some of them aren't safe to reintroduce to standard, uh, but we do have other ways of getting cards out there. Uh, so... I mean, if, if we want people to keep playing this, I imagine we're going to have to get more copies of these cards out there. Like, we don't want it to become inaccessible. We don't want it to become some ridiculous thing where uh, a very finite number of people have access to the cards. Um, that said, uh, stuff's still in the works. Like, we, we had to wait and see what was going to happen at this uh, event and see where the format was headed before we, we start figuring out what we're doing and what we're bringing back and when and where and how. So... Uh, it's going to take you know a little while for any, anything that we choose to reprint to come into the pipeline, uh, but you know, like I said, that's kind of why we wanted to do it. So I expect us to to, to hold good on that promise. And uh, I don't know exactly what or when, uh, but we will be reprinting some of the cards you're seeing you know this weekend in, in, in future stuff. 
Cool. Um, so as far as extended goes, are, are there plans for extended? It seems kind of like modern, uh, while it was stated to not be replacing extended, it, uh, it definitely seems like it's replaced extended in, yeah. in the hearts of many people. Eight extended. Yeah. Modern eight, eight, eight extended. Um, I have uh, uh, some meetings when I get back from this to talk about formats for next year's Grand Prix and Pro Tours and whatnot. Uh, we're going to talk about it. I mean, it definitely needed needs fixed from the state that it was in that caused us to switch the, the Pro Tour format. <laughs> some bannings. Uh, you know, we need lower wind block will rotate out this fall. We're going to look at it and see if it would be interesting. Uh, I mean, it does a good job of letting you use your standard cards a little longer. <laughs> um, uh, so, not sure. Okay. Uh, it may end up on the schedule next year. It may not, but uh, we'll know in a few weeks, and we'll, we'll, we'll let everybody know. So, uh, but as far as like the rest of this year, it, things are pretty set. I know there's an extended Grand Prix, I think, in San Diego coming up fairly soon. I mean, I'm not exactly sure when it is, but that one's uh, extended. Is right. That's, that's the weekend. Much... That's the weekend before Worlds. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about if that's supposed to stay that way. Okay. Um, after this, to see how this format goes, or if it should, if we want to switch it, I'm not sure. Uh, there's arguments for both sides. We don't want to get in the habit of switching every event <laughs> right. a number of weeks before it happens, but uh, I know that the, the guys running it would like to see it not be extended. And, you know, it, 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 we're going to have to make the call as if to, we want to see what extended looks like post Lorwin mm-hmm. to see if it actually is interesting, and we'll run that event there, or, or if we just want to kind of go with mob rule and switch it away into some other format. We're going to figure that out in the next couple weeks. Cool. Sounds good. On to kind of an, another topic, I know it's been said that uh, standard kind of evolves very quickly now, especially considering events like the Star City Open Series. Um, has R&D made any changes to the way, like, cards are tested at all in light of, like, such a, a quickly evolving format? We have not. Uh, I mean, this has come to light only in the, in the last few months. So right. We haven't, we, we've talked about ways that we could change our process or if we need to change the flow of how we release cards or all sorts of things. Uh, but right now, I don't think it's necessarily bearing out to be a problem. It just kind of is, is, a, is true and, and interesting but not, uh, not affecting things negatively. Uh, like if we started to see people to get bored with standard or stop going to events or whatever because the metagames were, were kind of reaching their end state too quickly, then we, we might have to do something. But right now, it's just kind of like we're beginning to understand the way the world works. Uh, we're going to try to be more aggressive with some of our answer cards so that if one deck rises to dominance, it's like, okay, people will just start sideboarding card X, and now it's hard to win with that. And then hopefully that'll keep things in flux a little bit longer. Uh, but right now, we don't feel the need to do anything too drastic. Uh, because so far it seems like people are okay uh, playing Magic in this world where the best decks come to light very quickly. Okay. Um, so obviously we have rotation coming up where uh, we're for standard, losing the whole Zendikar block and then M11. Mm-hmm. Um, besides the obvious, like Jace and Stoneforge, which obviously were mistakes, are there any kind of regrets you have or any cards or changes that you would have made kind of in hindsight aside from those two cards? Uh, in Zendikar block? Yeah, Zendikar or M11. Or M11. Uh, I don't... Not, nothing leaps to mind. Like, I don't think... I would not have made Deceiver Exarch work the way it did if I if we had realized how good the Splinter Twin deck was. But that's more of something that was in New Phyrexia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I like the way the Zendikar... I like the aggressive landfall red-white decks. Those are great. The vampire decks I liked a lot. Um... Lotus Cobra, I think, did good work uh, enabling a bunch of stuff. Um, I mean, there might have been stuff I wanted to make better, but I can't. That doesn't leap to mind. I, I, I don't regret, regret Squadron Hawk. I think it was kind of neat uh, <laughs> that this innocuous-looking white 2-mana 1-1 ended up being an incredible powerhouse. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I think, yes, the ones we, we had to, to ban... I mean, a preordain is, is is probably the card that is out of those four sets that is the next most egregious. Uh, it, it was something that we messed messed around with late in development and made it better than I think we wanted to. And I think we've come to terms with the power that being able to fil- filter through your deck that quickly gets you. And I don't think it's good for Magic that decks are so consistent now with with access to preordain. So that'd probably be the one card I would do something about. 
Okay. Well, uh, looking forward past rotation to Innistrad, um, there's, uh, I think, a lot of concern for the double-faced cards and how they're going to affect uh, drafting. So uh, how confident are you guys in how this is going to work? And, um, you know, having played with the cards, how much did they change the, the dynamic in draft? They changed that dynamic uh, a, a reasonable amount. It's <clears throat> People always talk about the... The strength of sending signals and how important that is to drafting. You know, drafting well is to let the guy on your right try to let him know what colors you are or aren't by what you're passing to him. And this kind of takes the guesswork out from for some people because they can just windmill slam a, a red werewolf and it just tells the guy next to him, you know, I am picking red cards. Um, in, in general, like I think that's a good thing. Uh, if you're drafting, it's a good thing to be able to let people know what colors you are because it's in everyone's best interest to, to not be in the same colors as you. That way everyone's deck's better. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if you're red, then I shouldn't be red. Um, it's going to take some getting used to. It's very different. It's kind of like there's one pick of Rochester draft and then the other 13 are booster draft. Right. Uh, so uh, it's different. It's different, but it's, it's different in a way that adds another layer of strategy. There's just more information that you can use to your advantage by seeing what other people take or, you know, uh, some people on Twitter were talking about, well, even if the card's not that good, I'm just going to first pick a green werewolf to let mm-hmm. just kind of stake out a whole color to myself and hope that people are going to stay out of my way. That's very interesting. Sometimes it'll pay off, sometimes it won't. Uh, you know, it is different. It will take some getting used to, but it is it is uh, it adds. It definitely adds to the draft as, as opposed to subtraction from it. So, uh, do you have like a, a favorite draft archetype or strategy for Innistrad? Uh, I enjoy drafting. In Innistrad, uh, there's some green, blue, black flashback decks uh, that a lot of the cards haven't been revealed yet, but that's that's my favorite archetype. Uh, do you expect, I mean, the set is obviously very, uh, very flavorful, very top-down, and uh, kind of like, it's like a Vorthos set as opposed to maybe like the, the spike kind of other end of the spectrum. Um, how, and a lot of the cards we've seen even seem more uh, flavorful than powerful, at least on the surface at this point. Um, how much do you expect the set to impact standard? Do you expect like it to have a, a large impact at first, or do you think it's going to be more of a slow adoption of, of the cards? Uh, I think it'll be... I mean, it's, it's kicking out an incredibly powerful group of cards. The right. card block was one of the most powerful blocks we made in a long time. <clears throat> so, it has... The, the format gets a lot weaker just from those yeah. four sets leaving. So it does. You know, the, I think they're going to ha- be more impactful um, than Scars was because okay. uh, you know, Scars was coming into just a super high-powered environment, and this is a lot less powerful now. So the cards are going to show up. I, I do think some of the the archetypes people want to see, like some of the tribal stuff, it's going to mm-hmm. take the second set in order for them to be fully realized. Right. But I, I do think there's going to be double-sided cards, plenty of flashback cards. Uh, and, 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 you know, the dual lands obviously are going to be huge right away, too. Yeah. So there, there's enough stuff to show up right away, and then there's going to be a bunch of decks that develop over time. Cool. That's good news. Um, so you've uh, you tweeted uh, maybe a couple months ago about the, the perfect counterspell being somewhere between cancel and an actual counterspell. Right. Um, Kind of like Lightning Bolt, how it was considered for a while to be too strong to reprint, and then was reprinted in M10. Uh, do you think there will ever be a time when Standard is ready for a reprint of actual Counterspell? Uh, I I have been a proponent of trying that for a while. There's other people in R&D that aren't. Uh, and the way I've seen Mana League... Uh, show off how... You know, this deck, Mana League is very, very powerful. <laughs> I think there's a lot of decks that would exist right now that can't because of Mana Leak, and so I'm kind of changing my opinion on that. <laughs> like, it's hard to make a cool deck that revolves around a certain card whenever that card just gets countered. So, I don't I don't know. Um, it, it might be something we do for, you know, a, a huge splash. You know, it's kind of against our better judgment, but we think the impact and the sales and the excitement would be worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of did that with Lightning Bolt. Right. Lightning Bolt is, is still like above the curve and uh, oppressive to a lot of things, so it's not going to be around all the time. But I think that was a little more tolerable than Counterspell would be. But you know, we, we do talk about it, so uh, you know, it, 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 it's I wouldn't call it a favorite to return, but mm-hmm. it is certainly every time we look back, you're like, what cool card could we bring back this year? And we go through the list. Counterspell is always on the list, so okay. you know, maybe one day we'll get a 
We'll wake up on the right side of the bed and it'll end up in a set. But uh, don't hold your breath. Fair enough, fair enough. I, I know I'd be pretty excited about that personally, but, uh, you know, it's something I just, I just kind of wonder about. Um, so uh, on that sort of topic, is there a card that you'd kind of uh, like to reprint that you just haven't had the opportunity? Yeah, that would be Ranker. Like, yeah. as, as, oh, as, as, yeah. It's a dedicated green player. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I love that card. Um and I think it would be so good right now in, like, you're trying to block with Hawks and whatever, and I just have rankered guys just trampling over you. But it was so ridiculous with Infect that we just couldn't do it. So we had to yank that out of M, I think M11. M11, yeah. I feel like that was what uh, I We heard. didn't put it in M12. And so, you know, one day we'll get around to that, I think. Okay. But uh, it's one that I just keep, oh, God, it would be so awesome to have this. But I, it, it wasn't. It, I mean, the Infect deck was not fun. We were just getting killed on turn three. <laughs> Ranker giant growth guys, but you know, I think that card will come back. But it's one that I've been hoping, hoping to get in there. Cool. Uh, last question, uh, and this this is from something that may be a, a year old, but um, I, I believe you saw it was Aaron Forsyth facts. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was actually my co-host put that up on on our site. What did you think of that? That was hilarious. Yeah. I, I, I retweeted it and put linked it from my my <laughs> Facebook page, I think, and uh, it was very cool. It's very cool to get that kind of stuff done about you. You know, it's like. Your little bit of fame kind of pays off. <laughs> I think you're, you're pretty famous. You're pretty well-known, at least for, for magic anyway. Uh, are there any facts that you'd like to add to it that we missed that might have, uh, uh-huh. that should have made the list? <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Uh, I'm undefeated in modern lifetime, so I just won an eight-man tournament here. It's unsanctioned. So. <laughs> awesome. I well, can't be defeated. <laughs> Sounds good. Can't be defeated in modern. Got it. We'll add that. We'll just go. I'll go back and, and edit the uh, the post. So, well, thank you very much for, for joining us for a few minutes, and uh, definitely uh, hope to talk to you again. Uh, maybe a couple sets down the road and sure, see sure. see how things went. All right, Joe. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Yep. I'm here with Ben Friedman. Uh, day two of Magic Weekend, Philadelphia. Um, Ben, you're seven and four right now, going back into the uh, the modern portion, which uh, you seem pretty excited about. Going, you seem pretty excited about your deck. Like, just talk a little bit about what you're playing. Okay, so uh, basically, this is Pyromancer Ascension, and people knew about this deck, but I made a friend, uh, Larry Schwazy, who is crazy Kirby Four on Magic Online. <laughs> he is crazy about this deck, and so. I was busy with school, and he was busy tuning this deck, and he gave me his final 75, and uh, he wished me well. We both played it. He didn't do so well because he was drawing badly in the first modern portion. He only went 2-3. I went 3-2. I split uh, two matches with Affinity. I beat Splinter Twin. I beat 12 post, and then I lost to uh, sort of Malira Combo Rock deck because it had two Thought Seizes and a Kasali Pride Mage. That's really hard to beat. But I'm, I'm ready to go back. I, I wasn't 100% comfortable with the draft format, so when I went 4-2 over two drafts, I was pretty happy with yeah. that result. And so uh, I'm here with my friend Joey Pasco, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to do a little gold fishing because... Uh, it's a hard deck to play, and just getting in the right mindset of what to keep with your cantrips and all that stuff, it's really important. So we start off with a hand with two Scalding Tarns, a Grape Shot, which isn't very good because that's our finisher, a Remand, a Rite of Flame, a Manamorphose, and a Ponder. So this hand is pretty good. Like, it would be really, really good if the Grape Shot were a Pyromancer Ascension instead, but you can only run four. I'm going to keep it just for posterity's sake, and if I don't draw the Pyromancer Ascension, well, that's sometimes what happens with the deck. But, you know, I have a remand for a little bit of time to buy, and against really any deck, I would keep this hand, because I can use the Grape Shot to shoot down some of their creatures if I really need to. So we'll start off with a Scalding Tarn and a Fetch, and go to 19. I'm going to get a Basic Island because, you know, whatever. Like, I guess I'm worried about preserving my life total. So we do that, shuffle up a little bit, and then cast a Ponder turn one. Let's see what we hit. We hit Steam Vents, Manamorphose, Ponder. Uh, I'm going to keep them because, like, a random... Like, I have another land, which will be nice because I'm going to end up playing at least three lands. Uh, I have another Ponder, so I'll be able to Ponder next turn and then fetch away any cards I don't like. So I'm going to keep them as Ponder, Metamorphose, and Steam Vents, because I'm not really playing... I, I don't care about Athosis right now. They don't have any. They're playing Zoom. Alright, <laughs> so then they do nothing, or like play a Wild Nicola or something. So I start my turn, and I draw, and now I'm going to cast... 
another ponder. I don't really like doing that, but I feel like I have to try and dig for my ascension right now. I could have held up remand, which is another perfectly defensible play, but right now, since I'm gold fishing, I'm going to see if I can hit what I need. All right, steam vents, scalding tarn, right of flame off of that ponder. Uh, that's not exactly what we want, so I'm going to keep the steam vents, and I will draw it, then I'm going to play my Scalding Tarn, and I will fetch away those two clunkers on top, I'm trying to hit a Pyromancer Ascension. I'm going to fetch for a tapped Steam Vents, because I am going to need to play red spells, and I don't have anything else to play this turn. Seems like, uh, you know... I know you're saying, like, you know, they're playing Wild Nacoddle or whatever, you know, just assuming what your opponent's doing, but it's kind of funny in this format, in a lot of ways, uh, with decks, even especially like Ascension, it seems like you kind of don't care what your opponent's doing. You know, I mean, that's... Obviously, if they gotta... You gotta stop them a little bit, but mostly you just... It's a very proactive format from what I can tell. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a little bit faster than I think a lot of players would like it. I think the banning of Mental Misstep did, did a lot for that. Like, most of the format wins on turn four. Twelve posts will cast Emrakul, Zoo will have you dead, Elves will have you comboed out, any of the blue-red combo decks will have you comboed out, Malira will have you comboed out, Affinity will have you dead with a fling. <laughs> so really, it's just a turn four format, and I think maybe if they, if they unban Mental Misstep, that would slow things down a little bit. They could certainly stand to unban Ancestral Vision, uh, I've even heard people say, well, if they unbanned Jace, it wouldn't really have that much of an impact because yeah. a lot of decks would have you dead by that turn. So I, I think that they should keep Jace banned and they should at least unban Misstep and Vision um, and see what happens from there. I figure they'll probably unban those two. They might unban Bitter Blossom. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that they can do. All right, so if this is a turn four format, we're going into turn three here. Let's see if you can beat it. All right, so <laughs> I'm going to draw a Gitaxian Probe. Um, let's just cast it right now for zero, because I'll pay two life. Uh, I'm not really worried. I'm going to win on turn four. And we draw a Pyromancer Ascension. All right, so we're really in business here. Uh, this means that we are going to cast that Ascension right away, and we're going to hope to draw a, another Rite of Flame that would help turn on our Ascension, uh, a Ponder or a Gitaxian Probe, uh, really, any of our cantrips would do wonders for us here. So we're going to play a Steam Vents tapped, and we're going to pass the turn and see what we can do on turn four. All right, we draw a Preordain here. So right now I'm going to Preordain, see if I can hit the gas that I need. All right, we look in and we see a Rite of Flame and a Peer Through Depths. Uh, right now, I want both of these cards because I'm going to end up needing to cast a double peer through depths to stay in this game. So, okay, we're going to draw the Rite of Flame. We're going to cast the Rite of Flame. So that gives us two red mana. The next Rite of Flame will bring us to four red mana and a counter on Ascension. Then we're going to play a Mana Morphose. We're going to shift two of our red to blue mana and draw that peer through depths that was waiting for us on top. And we're going to cast another Mana Morphose, which is going to turn all of our mana into blue mana, and we're going to draw a card off of that, and we're going also to active true, yeah. our Ascension, which is really good. So now I have, I drew off that one a Sleight of Hand. Right now, I'm going to double Sleight of Hand, because I want to see if I hit a land, I can play it turn four, and then I might be able to maximize my peer through depths. So right now, we're going to Sleight of Hand see what we hit. We look into Rite of Flame Mana Morphose. Wow, I'm really lucky. So I'm going to take this Manamorphose, ship the Rite of Flame, and we're going to do it again. We see Gitaxian Probe and Mountain. I'm going to take Gitaxian Probe because it is a free draw two. All right, uh, let's free, free draw two right here. Gitaxian Probe just draws me two new cards, and they are both preordains. We still have three blue mana in our mana pool. This is where it gets exciting. So we're going to use one of the blue mana to play two Preordains. All right, what, our first Preordain hits us Preordain and Pyromancer Ascension. We're going to need to play that second Ascension to actually fully combo. So right now, what I think I'm going to do is keep both of these and draw the Pyromancer Ascension. And then we're going to Preordain a second time. We see a Preordain and a Peer Through Depths. I don't want the Peer Through Depths because I'm a little bit short on mana, so I'm just going to draw 
the preordain and ship the peer through devs. Okay, so we have two blue mana floating. I'm going to tap the steam vents for a red mana. I'm going to use that Steam Vents' red mana and one of the blue mana to cast a double Mana Morphose. The Mana Morphose is going to add two red to our mana pool. So we have two red uh, and a blue. That's the first one, and we draw a Remand. The second Mana Morphose is going to add two blue. So we have two red and three blue, and we draw a Lightning Bolt and a Remand. All right, we're going to cast a Pyromancer Ascension using a red and a blue. So we have two blue and a red left. Okay, now we're going to cast a double preordain, and we have one blue and one red, and a counter on our second Pyromancer Ascension. Alright, we see Gitaxian Probe and Misty Rainforest. Both of these are great, because the probe is going to trigger our second Ascension, the Rainforest is our land for the turn, so we draw, we do our second, that's Misty Rainforest and Watery Grave, we can ship the Watery Grave and keep the Misty. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and cast my Freak Ataxian Probe to trigger my second Ascension and draw two free ones. That's another Ascension and a Ponder. Okay, so now we have a blue and a red floating. I'm going to use my last blue mana to cast a Triple Ponder. So this Triple Ponder is going to dig us real deep and hopefully we see some rituals which will win us the game. We see Ponder, Peer Through Depths, and Peer Through Depths. We don't like those cards, so we shuffle them away. Alright, this is why the deck is so complicated, because you have to sit there <laughs> and think, now I have one blue mana left. No, 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 you, sorry, you I used it. it. I have one red mana in my mana pool and a land to play for the turn. So I'm, uh, I'm drawing for my first first Ponder, I drew an island. Okay, second Ponder. Gitaxian Probe, Lightning Bolt, Land. Uh, that's okay, because the Cadaxian Probe is just going to draw us more free cards, so I'll keep it. And then our third is hitting a Sleight of Hand as our new card. We're going to ship those. We have a red mana in our mana pool, and another three cards coming off of our Cadaxian Probe. So I'm okay here. I would like to hit a Rite of Flame Ray Mana Morphos. That would really set the engine in motion. And so we shuffle and draw. That's another land. So we're going to cast our free Gitaxian Probe and draw some more magic cards. How, I mean, you have a, you have Grape Shot in hand, right? And you've cast a lot of spells this turn and also have two active ascensions. So Are you just, you know, isn't that, is that going to win you the game with a... What we ended up drawing was Rite of Flame, Banefire, and Ponder. Now here's here's where it gets interesting, because I've cast so many spells this turn. I think it's been... Okay, let's go back. We cast Gitaxian Probe, our first Pyromancer Ascension, Preordained 3, Rite of Flame 4, Rite of Flame 5, Manamorphose 6, Manamorphose 7, Sleight of Hand 8, Gitaxian Probe 9, Preordained 10, Manamorphose 11, Preordained 12, Gitaxian Probe 13, Ponder 14, Gitaxian Probe 15. Okay, so we really only need a little bit more to actually just grape shot our opponent out. Fortunately, we drew a Rite of Flame, which is really, really important, because now we're going to cast it, copied twice, and that used our last red mana. Each copy of Rite of Flame is adding four, so we end up with 12 red mana. And I could keep going to actually uh, full-on grape shot my opponent. Uh, First, I guess I'll just toss three lightning bolts at them, because I had one waiting in hand. <laughs> and I can choose to either triple banefire them, or grape shot them for 18 or so. So, But then the grape shots get copied, right? How, how, does, how, does, okay. grape, how does Storm work with, uh, with Pyromancer Ascension? I know that's a little bit confusing. It doesn't work the way you'd like it to. You don't okay. get to double Storm. Okay. However, the... The way that the deck, like, fully infinite combos involves an infinite combo with a Manamorphose, a Remand, and two active Pyromancer Ascensions, and this is going to get you an irrelevant number of Storm to cast your Grape Shot for as much as you want. Okay. The, the Storm copies happen, and then the Pyromancer will create two additional Storm copies. Okay, so it's just another two damage, really. Right. Like every, okay, that's what I, it's kind of what I thought, but... Uh... Still, you know, that's two extra damage, definitely relevant. Right. So, like, for example, so the game is over here, but yeah. let's, let's, let's show the infinite combo, which involves a Manamorphose, a Remand, two Floating Mana, and two Pyromancer Ascension. Let's say we have a red and a blue floating, and two active Ascension. I'll cast Manamorphose. I get two copies. One copy will add red-blue and draw me a card. The second copy will add red-blue and draw me a card. The third copy will not resolve. I'm going to use two of those mana, so I only have red-blue floating, to cast a triple remand. 
I get two copies of Rena. We'll call them copy A and copy B. Copy B is going to target my own Reman. It's targeting the original Reman and brings it back to my hand for a drawn card. And copy B is going to target Manamorphose and return it to my hand for another drawn card with two mana floating. So I've just drawn two cards and I still have that mana floating. So I'm going to cast another Manamorphose. Right, and the you, one that basically I Basically, you can just go infinite. Yeah. You draw one off of it, you actually draw four for every iteration, because one for the first copy Manamorphose, one for the second copy of yeah, Manamorphose, then, then the first third one for the... Oh, there's two rematches. Yeah. yeah. So, like, so you do get to basically draw your whole deck, uh, and then shoot some Rite of Flames and some Grape Shots and some Lightning Bolts, however you want. Just uh, make sure you don't game. say you loop it X number of times, because then you just draw your deck with this. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't play it that way. Don't get lazy. This deck is not for the people who are going to play sloppy. This it is took, a it took, complicated. It took deck. me five minutes to run my opponent through the whole, like the whole actual just thing. So basically, in conclusion, this is Pyromancer Ascension. It is a sweet deck. It is a very nappy deck. If you are really interested in like sitting there and comboing for ten minutes, you have the perfect opportunity to do it in this format. And this will help, hopefully, help people understand the way the deck works and how you can fight it. And uh, basically, I hope you enjoy learning about Pyromancer Ascension. Yeah, thank, thanks a lot, Ben. Uh, thanks for, for joining us, Ben Friedman. Seven and four, going into uh, going back into modern, and uh, good luck. Thank you.